Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Amen. So good to be with you guys again. Good to see you all. Um, we are going to uh, spend some time inviting you into kind of what is the prayer encounter this next weekend, Friday, Saturday, into Sunday. Um, but more than that, inviting you into uh, this awesome call to prayer. Um, before we start, I just really quick want to say I, I get the opportunity, Sam McVeigh, kind of hang out with these guys some, with Disciple Nations, and I get the opportunity as kind of a missionary to the church to preach in a lot of different congregations and hang out with a lot of different pastors in the city, gather them to pray. Been in, in the last six months, Nazarene, Pentecostal, Word of Faith, Baptist. And I just bring a good report to you. This house is so awesome because it cares for what's happening here. But I know all the time they're talking about the other churches in the city and, and, and supporting them. And I, it's really easy. You can find all the funky stuff. But I'm telling you, Jesus is faithful. He's building his church. And there is progress in the city. People are hungry for the word. Pastors are relating together. They're praying together. They're missioning together. There's really, really just some great, great stuff going on in the, in the city. And just as one example, lastly, um, Al Ewert, who's a real good friend of mine, a father in the city, um, called me one time before a pastor's prayer meeting and uh, said he wasn't going to make it because he was ministered to some Afghans, and, um, but told me that he had just talked to a missionary to America who's missioned in 30 states. This guy came through here. I'm not sure what the connect was. Prayer was real important to this guy, and he said of all the places he had been, the, this Wichita had the highest prayer culture that he had seen. And we got a long way to go, but that was encouraging to hear from somebody outside of our realm, you know, because we're working hard on this, trying to produce a prayer culture and a mission culture and a unified church in the context of John 17. And so Jesus is not going to fail. This is not about how many ministers can get unity together. He's committed to unity. Amen. He's committed to house of prayer. And so I just wanted you to know it's such a good work. And so I am, we feel very committed to giving ourselves to all that he's doing here and in the state as it relates to, uh, to intercession and prayer. Prayer for me is a root issue, not a fruit issue. And what I mean by that is we love all the fruit issues, missioning, evangelism, um, you know what I mean, all of them, healing, blah, 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 all the things that come out from being in Christ. But prayer is a root issue. It's about other phrases for it would be abiding life, John 15. It would be walking in the spirit, you know, Galatians chapter 5. All these phrases that talk about our union with Christ, um, I think, relate to prayer. And that's why it's such a big deal. And so we're going to lean into this right now a bit. I hope that at the end of this, we set you free in your identity and free from the shame that comes when we think about prayer. And there's a lot of it because there's a lot of warfare. And uh, we're going to bounce off of, uh, first and start off of uh, Luke 11. About a year, year and a half into the ministry of Jesus, his disciples come to him and ask him that profound question, uh, teach us how to pray. It says in Luke 11, 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Um, it looks like contextually and biblically that Jesus had already given them on the Sermon on the Mount of Mount Olives the teaching about the Lord's Prayer. He'd given them some 
awesome teaching, and he'd been praying around them a lot during his time. But they're still so stirred, they ask him, teach us how to pray. And Aaron was making the observation is these guys are probably good Jews, though maybe a little rough around the edges. But they knew how to pray, but they were figuring out they didn't know how to pray when they were around Jesus. Luke 5.16 says that Jesus was often withdrawing to lonely places to pray. And um, he was doing this, it was what he was doing most often. I, I can make the case, I think, that Paul prayed a thousand times to one preaching. He's constantly day and night praying, and then he'll preach here and there. And so prayer is obviously a big deal in our New Testament characters and all the way through with the prophetic people. And so we want to lean in and make this point that the only ministry question it seems that the disciples asked Jesus was, teach us how to pray. They were so impacted by what he's doing. Not teach us how to teach, teach us how to preach, teach us how to cast out demons. There's none of that. They're, they go and do multiple of those things, but they say, teach us how to pray. And so what we're making that point for is this, is this is a big deal. It's a big deal to Jesus, who's walking as a man in the flesh under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal to the apostles, and it's to be a big deal for us. And so we're going to unpack a little bit during this time why we think it is such a big deal. Yeah, and the reality is there's an invitation to it. Like, yeah. th this, this, is, this is blowing my mind. Like, and I've probably said this before, maybe you're tired of it already, but I, I'm, just, I'm, always, I'm always just like, God, God invited me into this story. Again, mm -hmm. I kind of shared a little bit last week, but with the New Orleans trip and the Guatemala, like, we, we kind of use that, that uh, scripture, we're ambassadors of reconciliation. Paul would say that to the church in Corinth. And, like, he's using us as though Christ were making his appeal to the world through us. And there's an invitation from Yahweh, the living God, who by his mere word spoke, and the universe exists and sustains and is orbiting, and planets are orbiting, and we're staying on ground, and we're not floating off into the sky, into the atmosphere, right? Like all these levers in the universe are existing by his mere word and sustaining yes. by his mere word. And yet, he calls us. He calls us into this family. He calls us into this place, into the realities of heaven to bring to manifest on earth. He called you. Like, I wouldn't choose me. <laughs> I said that before. I wouldn't choose me. But God in his great mercy does. Mm. So I pray uh, that alone will blow your mind. The God of the universe is inviting you right now. Right now. His spirit is prompting you, inviting you. Yes, into the family through salvation in Christ, into the cross. But there's so much more even than that. That's life to the fullest. And so there's an invitation. And so there's this dynamic um, prayer line that Jesus. So when, when in Luke 11, he says, teach us how to pray. They say, teach us how to pray. And so, okay, so Jesus, he gives the Father's Prayer. We know it as the Father's Prayer. It's more like the disciples' prayer because it's really teaching them how to pray. Um, but he says, so when you pray, pray like this. It says, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, you know, I've said that many times. You know, I grew up in church, and we recited that together a lot of times in, in church services and as our family. And we do a lot of rhythms of prayer actually throughout the week based around the Father's Prayer. But that, that, that phrase captures me because what are the realities of heaven? Hmm. If we're praying, Lord, I want to see heaven itself come and manifest itself on the earth, what are the realities of heaven? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Probably some. And we can extrapolate some from Scripture and know there are certain realities in heaven. It's why we pray for healing. We pray for healing because we want people to be saved. 
But we pray for healing because right now there's no sickness in heaven. Yeah. And so we're asking, Lord, heal them, have a manifestation of heaven, invade the earth, and demonstrate your power and your goodness, right? So that men and women would be saved. And so that's one extension of, of you know, seeing the manifestation of the kingdom on earth. But, but there's, there's, there's a couple I want to I wanna just highlight real quick. So I grew up in, uh, at 16 years old, I started helping lead worship and doing different things to worship. So I've always been drawn to this, this, this story that you can read in Revelation 4 and 5. It's not just a story, it's a reality. But Re Revelation 4 and 5, there's something happening around the throne room. We've talked about this a lot. Right now there's four living creatures, and you can go read about what they look like. It's hard to even imagine. It's crazy. Eyes all around them and wings. Mm -hmm. and Anyway. But anyway, they, they go before the throne, and when they go and say, holy, holy is the Lord, then the 24 elders then say, yeah, holy, holy, and they cast their crowns down. And the hosts of angels in, in Revelation 5, they start singing this, like this eternal worship song. And so I've always been captivated by the reality that as, as we sing here on earth, we're actually joining the praise, the, 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 the saints are joining in that heavenly song. And so there's like this chorus happening in the throne room of earth singing worship and the angels singing worship and the 24 elders. And, and it's always blowing my mind. Like I want to press my ear to heaven and hear that song and I want to join in that song. That's beautiful. That's what you did just a few moments ago, which you're doing now too, but we just happen to do it through song. You're doing that. Hmm. that. That alone, again, should blow your mind. You're joining in heaven's song. But there's another reality that's happening Right now in heaven, Jesus, second person of the Trinity. What is he doing? Mm. What's he doing? He's interceding. I, I don't know any other place in the New Testament where it tells us what Jesus is currently doing in heaven. He's waiting. We know he's waiting for the moment when the Father says it's time. And he's going to come back and he's going to rule and reign. But in this very moment, we know one thing that Jesus is doing. Interceding. And we find this in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 7. I want to read this. It says this. Chapter 7, verse 23 through 25. Now, there have been many of those priests, those who had the ancestry and the lineage and all that, and they've served in the, in the priesthood of, of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests, but since death prevented them from conti continuing office, they were just human. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The second person of the Trinity is speaking to his father and asking things of him because he knows his father's heart. He only does what he sees his father doing. He only mm -hmm. responds to what he's heard his father saying, right? And so the second person is interceding on your behalf. Mm. Jesus Christ himself is interceding on your behalf mm. to save you completely. Paul would say, we're, 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 we're uh, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, I've been saved. I know my eternal destination. But I'm, there's still a part of my flesh that still wants to rise up. There's still Ryan and Ryan, <laughs> right? And, and I know that because I respond sometimes not like Christ. But it says he's living to intercede for us, to save us completely in this moment. And so there's this invitation that if Jesus himself is praying, what do you think he's inviting us into? Mm. Prayer. And, and so we're going to jump into this, this, this thing of prayer that's not an activity. A lot of times, well, I've given myself to prayer, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, like, it's actually an, an identity thing as believers. And so, Sam, yeah, you want to kick that off? Yeah. I think uh, 
it's real important to us with these prayer encounters. I'm doing four of these in the first five weeks of the year, and I've done, uh, done them in a couple of areas where we're taking Friday and Saturdays to um, kind of equip people in prayer because I think it's so vital, and we take for granted that everybody knows how to do it. But one of the primary things we're trying to hit is that prayer is an identity before it's an activity, that, um, that prayer is who we are, and I'll get that here in a moment. But with that, I wanted to say this, is that prayer is a human activity before it's a religious activity. It's, it's not even a, I think that not only a worldly spirit has ripped us off in our prayer life, but mostly a religious spirit. And it's because it kind of captures it and makes it this thing I do when I'm not being so human. I believe that eating and sexuality and taking care of the house and mowing the lawn, those are all human activities. But prayer is probably the most human thing you do because you're a creature made by a creator who wants to talk to you. Everybody everybody in the room, and by the way, just biblically, there is no gift of intercession in the Bible. There's no list in the gifts of a gift of intercession, a gift of prayer. Everybody's called to prayer. And not only called to prayer, you were made for prayer. You're actually not as human as you're supposed to be if you're not walking in prayer. I mean, one of my missions is to help the church be more human. We're run, I want you to be more human. I want you to step into your humanity. And your humanity is rooted in an image-bearing reality that's been stained by sin that God is calling out. That's what prayer is. Prayer is something we do as we cry out to our creator. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, um, Solomon with supernatural wisdom will say, yet God has made everything beautiful in its time. There's not everything he's going to finish and do, and he has planted or placed eternity in the human heart. But even so, people can't see. this. He's put eternity in us, but there's this confusion because we only see in part and we know in part. But he's put something in us, Pascal's going to call it, the God-shaped void, right? Prayer is universally honored among all the religions, but even the non-religious honor prayer. I don't know if you've ever run into that. Prayer is, there's something in us. It's kind of superstitious to them in so many ways. But listen, human beings who are mortal know to cry out for immortality. Something's in them that longs to look beyond themselves. In fact, Paul will say when he's in Athens and he sees a city that's responding in their humanity to worship. There's idols everywhere. You remember that? And he'll say, I found this one statue. The name was what? The unknown God. The unknown God, there's mystery. We don't know if we're catching it all right here. He begins to preach the gospel to them around that and says this phrase, Acts 17, 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind, Adam, to live on the face of the earth, having determined and allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. God not only made you in your mother's womb, he decided when you would be born and where you would be born. You are American on purpose. You are in this generation on purpose. And the reason is that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. There's something in us in the nature of who we are. Every person in this room, you have a yearning desire to communicate with God. And you are placed in this generation to poke you and press you to get you to feel your way toward him. You can't help yourself. And I'm telling you, the least praying person in this room has got this identity within them. So David's going to cry out in Psalms 109.4. It's just an amazing verse. You need to look at it. Psalms 109.4. It says that in return for my love, 
they accuse me, so I give myself to prayer. Now, if you'll look in some of your Bibles, especially ESV and some others, they'll put a little note there because actually the Hebrew doesn't say that. It actually says, in return for my love, they accuse me, so I am prayer. Prayer is something we are, and then it's something we do. The Hebrew there is very clear. I am prayer. This is my identity. And it's true for all of you. I, if you come to the conference on Friday and Saturday night, we're going to hit this really strong, and I'm going to count to three and have people say it over and over and over. Because I'm telling you, when prayer is an activity and not an identity, you're going to turn it into some kind of orphan spirit deal to get God to like you, or you're going to live in shame with the enemy, and you're not going to be able to love. We must know who we are so that we can do what we're made to do. And everyone in here is made for prayer. You're made to pray. You do it different ways. You ought to hear me. I, I, I pray fairly aggressive. I'm spitting when I'm doing it. I'm quoting a lot of Bible verses, and I raise my volume, okay, because I'm hyper and I have issues. But there are people in this room that you're quiet. You pray just as powerfully as I do. Some of you just groan. You yearn. You, there's a thousand different forms of prayer and ways that our hearts express and lean toward God. And we want to set you free. Set the body of Christ free. Bring them into their humanity. Bring them into their destiny, which is to be a people of prayer. Not something we do, oh, I'm praying more. I did more hours this week. Please get, Paul's going to say this phrase, pray without, what in the world? I got to change some diapers and do some dishes and do some bills. How do I, well, he's not talking about you hitting a prayer meeting and saying some liturgy. He's talking about the state of your heart. That you, you become something, and then you do something. And so we are here for your becoming. I'm, in, I'm trying to get 100,000 people to pray in the state the same word of God the same day. And I could end up giving them a big legalistic goal if we don't get their identity straight. So that's why we're doing this thing. We want to see you set free because God has said this about us and about our family, the house of God. And we do talk about identity a lot. I mean, here at Reliance, we talk about sonship a lot knowing who we are in Christ, and for many years I struggled with that, um, just realizing activity, what I was doing for God, it, it trumped intimacy with God or knowing God. Uh, I, now, I was probably thinking it was a pharisaical spirit, but it was like, I'm doing all these things, God, right? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't there be some sort of, like, you like me more, I have more access to you, and he's like, I already paid for it on the cross, Ryan, like, I, I like you. That's you rejecting the gospel when you do right. that, yeah. right? Right, yeah, and at the time, though, I didn't see that, Yeah. right? That's good. Because the enemy kept whispering, yeah, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more, and so when I finally realized several years ago, and I, I've been a pastor for a couple decades now, but, like, until, like, prayer hit me about five to six years ago, and the identity part of prayer, again, prayer is an activity. I struggled with prayer. And I, I still do, uh, to a degree, but not like I used to, because I realize it's who I am. Yeah. There's, a, there's a passage we do say a lot in here. It's uh, Isaiah 56, 7. It's where we get, um, uh, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We've said it before. He doesn't say my house shall be called a good house of preaching. My house shall be called a good house of teaching. My house will be called a house of service. We know those are some of the activities that yeah. flow yeah. from a house of prayer. But he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And we also have said this. It's, it's Christian cliche, but it's true, and we need to be reminded of often. that The house of God is not the building, right? We've said that. It's the family of God. So really, this scripture could be translated, for my family shall be called a family yes. of prayer. My family shall be called a family 
of prayer. My children, my sons, my daughters will be called sons and daughters of prayer because that's who their father is. Joshua would say, as for me and my house, we'll show that. he didn't mean his tent or his brick and mortar. He meant his family. Right. And so we know that as family, there are, there are traits that we already carry. There's actually already a DNA, and Sam's already talked about it. This is proof. The, the reason why every religion has prayer as a part of who they are is just proof to show that we were created for prayer. I'm getting ready to go to India here in a few weeks, and we're talking to the people, uh, the missionaries there, and um, it's, it's a Hindu nation. And uh, they're like, hey, you know, we really want to do some teaching on prayer and some teaching on worship. And so in my Western mindset of like, oh, I know it all, right? You know, knowledge, knowledge puffs up, by the way. Um, but in my Western, I was like, oh, so they probably don't know a bunch about prayer. They're like, oh, no, they, they, they'll yeah. give themselves to prayer. Right. They'll pray for four or five hours a day, yeah. right? I mean, they, it's not the time. I mean, when they have 30 million gods, I don't, I mean, how, how often do you get back to those? I don't no. know. But anyway, there's like 30 million gods. Anyway, all that to say is they, it's proof to say that we were created. That's right. That's right. I am prayer. Say it to yourself. I am prayer. I'll, I'll beat you to You're going to do it? I am prayer. I am prayer. It's like I am Groot, but I am prayer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But there's family, right? There, it's, it's already built within us. It's the DNA. And so just as I, Sam and I were talking about this earlier um, a few days ago, you know, my, my kids, my Wallace kids, they have some of my genes and my traits. They're shorter. I don't know. Maybe they'll get a little hairier. I'm sure they probably will. Um, <laughs> but all that to say, they carry some of those genes. And we also have a value system that we live by, you know, integrity and character and honor and all that things. And so we teach that and we instill that within them so that way they'll live it out. Mm. They don't have to think about, like, I don't have to think about, you know, walking around, I'm a Wallace, I'm a Wallace. What do, what do Wallaces do? What do Wallaces do? You know, like, and, and sometimes I think as Christians, though, we have that mindset. Yeah. Well, I'm a Christian. What do Christians do? What is, what is Jesus? I'm, I'm, I, what do Christians, you know, like, and instead of just, like, allowing it to be in us who we are, and instinctively then, as we give ourselves to prayer, as they would say, I am prayer, I've given myself to prayer, like, it's just the natural response as a family of God. No, that's, I see my father doing it. I saw Jesus doing it. That's who I am. Yes. I'm part of the family. So, right. yeah, that identity piece is huge. Yeah. So um, we, we want to acknowledge in the midst of this, too, about the warfare that's happening around you because of this. Um, the enemy hates your humanity. He hates your image bearingness. He hates it when you talk with Yahweh, the life giver, because things shift in your lives. You can't interact. Some people get, tell us, you try to get all these prayer meetings or whatever. We need to go do mission. I'm like, mm, it's not real prayer if it doesn't manifest in mission to me. Because we, so Jesus did not wake up every day and say, I wonder, a Messiah needs to heal people, cast out demons. and He just did not do that. He, John 5, 19 did. He was a son and then the son manifested the father's will in the life. I only do what I see the father doing, right? So we know that there's warfare around you. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness. The enemy has a high stake in keeping you from your identity and from your interaction with him at the heart level. Your flesh that's got Adam independence in it doesn't want to do it. So, shockingly, I've never had anyone in all my 30s plus years of ministry and doing prayer come up to me and confess one of my biggest problems is I pray too much. I'm just unbelievable at it. It's just, I just can't get stuff done because I'm praying all the time. <laughs> Still yet, don't have anybody. Almost everyone. I mean, all, I mean, 100% near. I struggle with my prayer life. And almost all of them, I always say, of course you do. Of course you do. 
It's what's most true and real about you is you relating with your creator. The enemy's battling against it. Your flesh is battling against it. Of course you struggle. Everybody struggles with your prayer life. Say, oh, my. We struggle. And what happened in this prayer conference, we were up at Word of Life with uh, Robin. We had 50, 70 folks. We were training in prayer. And one gal got this vision. She confessed later. She said, oh, oh, my struggle now it's confirmation to me of my call to this, not condemnation that I can't do it. We shifted the narrative. That's what we're trying to do with these prayer conferences. We want to shift the narrative because the enemy's co-oping. He doesn't have an original thought in his head. He's just trying to twist everything and get it backwards. So if you're into prayer activity without a prayer identity, it's going to get funky real fast. It's going to be a religious spirit and what we've turned this thing into. But he's setting us free. Setting us free in him, in Christ, so that we can, in a liberated way, become what we truly are. And so, we want to acknowledge the warfare around you. Of course, you're having the warfare. And I hope that when you have the struggle, you'll go, oh, that's confirmation. That's confirmation. This is a big deal. And I hope you'll break off the lie that only certain people are prayer people. I'm the most unlikely prayer guy in this room. The ADD level at me, squirrel, it's un- I'm distracted right now while I'm preaching to you. <laughs> My wife's getting on a plane in Seattle on the plane right now. I'm thinking about it. My son's done, and blah, blah, blah. But I'm a prayer guy because I'm in front of you right now, and I'm talking to you. Do you see me talking to you in a body? But I'm also in my inner man talking with my father. I'm listening. He's saying some things. I'm trying to wade through it. I'm double dialoguing right now. <laughs> I am because it's the way I was made. I'm becoming more human. I'm becoming more human. He's trained me how to become more human. So I'm interrelating with my Yahweh, my creator, and then I'm responding out of that. And hopefully that's what's manifesting right now is me talking and doing that. So the warfare is real. And at the head of waters of the warfare is this issue of shame. Um, there's all kinds of things we feel, but most people feel guilty and shame. And I, I just want to say, and you jump in here in a minute. There are two day and night ministries. Please get this down in heaven. And you're part of one of them on earth. Whatever you're going to do. There's a day and night worship and prayer around the throne in Revelation 4. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, 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 holy. It's a good day and night ministry to be part of. The Spirit's moving to do that. Then Revelation 12, there's another day and night ministry. Does anybody remember what it is? Day and night, somebody is doing something before the throne, accusing the brethren. Day and night accusation ministry led by the devil. There's two. Which one are you engaging in? I know this one's touching every one of you. Because the devil, if he can't stop your prayer life, he's going to twist your prayer life. And then in the end, he's going to either get you an orphan spirit. You're trying to earn righteousness from God. No one becomes more righteous by praying. Jesus' righteousness is the free gift through salvation. And I need an amen. amen. We're gospel people. The blood of Jesus made me. I'm righteous because of it. Then out of my righteousness, I come up into and I relate with the invisible God and that's right and we got to keep that in order does that make sense so we want to knock some shame off you at the end of the most anointed service of the morning he did say that to the first service too I just I just I just got to speak truth I got to speak truth I'm not a people pleaser in any way. <laughs> no that 
We really do. We, we knew that warfare is contending against your identity. It always is. Anytime there's an identity, particularly issue, and of course Satan could attack anything and go for any crack. But man, whenever there's an identity crisis or issue or there's shame and condemnation heaped up against who you are, the enemy loves to exploit that. And that deceiving ministry, it, it's why I can, sometimes my, my highest of highs or in a, in a moment where we're praying together or we're, we're doing worship, and some of my lowest of lows is when I get out of that. It's not because of, man, I just got so insulated by everybody here. It's because I, I had given myself to identity. You became more human. Yeah. And then, and then I let the enemy then attack me. And, and it's a reality. It's just a reality of knowing that those attacks are going to come, but it's standing firm in who Christ has made me and called me to be. But, but that is a true reality. I can sometimes walk out of some of those times where it's like the presence of the Lord was just so manifest in a room. And some of the, the lowest of lows, I'm just like, man, I am a terrible human being. I am just a terrible son. I'm a terrible whatever. It's just not but a few hours later. It's because no. the accuser of the brethren, That's right. I'm, I'm starting to let that voice, That's right. you know. Anyway, so I just think this identity piece is, is huge. I am prayer. Walk out of here. Go to a coworker, maybe who doesn't know you, and tell him, I am prayer. Amen. <laughs> like, Excuse me? Yeah. I am prayer. That'll just blow your mind. And so we do. I, I mean, I, I just want to pray. Now, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yeah. so, Sam, if you want to, yeah, however you want to minister yeah, in this time. I, I just want to say this. I, I'm on a mission to get people over trying to get themselves to like prayer. It's never going to work. Prayer works when you start liking God. Prayer is the description of what I do when I'm savoring what's savorable. And savorable is not me. I pray an hour a day. I prayed this long. I prayed this way. Are you kidding me? That's the manifestation. What prayer becomes wonderful when you decide that the reward is God. And I, I want to make that. The reward of God's gospel is God. Everybody got it? Heaven's going to be great. New heaven, new earth. Those are the fruits of it. But what you lost in that garden in Grandpa Adam and Eve was God. And we're going we're to proclaim the Trinitarian fellowship this weekend in a strong way. But they lost their place in God, which is the only place the human heart is fully satisfied. And so the enemy's doing a lot to steal this away. And so we're just going to pray over you really quick here. That you not only get free from shame, but that you would step into your identity. Aaron, do you want to say anything about this? Because you got on to me for not doing this last service. No, you're good. You remember when you rebuked me over there? Yeah, it was. I think I said, get behind me. Yeah, get me. That was great. (laughs) It was very respectful, but painful. But um, so we we, want to lean in right now. This is kind of a big deal. Ministry moments are awkward. If I'm not the preacher, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, gosh, what are they going to do? What are they going to make me do? So I get it. I get your awkwardness, but we want to do a moment of spiritual warfare right now and sow into you a seed. And let me tell you this, the best teaching of your week is about to happen after this. All we're doing is repeating what the Holy Spirit's already saying to you, and he wants to continue this sermon as you go out of this room. Does everybody understand what I mean? The Holy Spirit came to teach you. Keep leaning your heart in and meditating about these things. So um, how are we going to do this? Um, we're going to do something. So anybody that's ever felt funky or guilty or a little shame or a little whatever, not great about your prayer life, would you please stand up? That was an easy one. Look at all, look at these, look at your church here in my gosh. You know what it means? 
It's confirmation of who you are. Thanks for being honest. Father God, in the name of Jesus, break shame off your people. We pray for a fresh revelation of the blood of Jesus, that the word of our testimony about the gospel would grow. Lord, I pray we all would get a fresh revelation of the gospel, and all those that have felt guilty and shameful compared themselves against the other strong prayer, break them free from habits of guilt, habits of shame, habits of comparison with the few around them that just are great at this. Father, I pray the no condemnation reality for those that are in Christ Jesus will begin to wash over everybody's heart. Thank you that we're free from every sin, every by the blood of Jesus as we confess and repent. Now, Lord, I'm asking, would you set strong our identity in Christ? Set our identity with the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God. May we do more than just say, I am prayer. Would we become the tabernacle you called us to be? You're building a house, it's us, and that house is talking with you and carrying you. So God bless, bless, set the identity. I'm asking especially for those that never gone to a prayer meeting or struggle with prayer, or if it's, I'm just asking, would you revolutionize their mind and their heart? It's all hands on deck. It's everyone gets to play. <laughs> I pray you make Reliance Community more human as you determined it, image of God bearers that are talking with their God. Now, here's what I want to do just real quick as we end and get that other service in here. Would you talk to God now for a minute? I don't care what about. What do you, just talk to him. Just go ahead and talk in your heart, a groan, a words. Just talk to God. Just practice being human right now with your God. Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.